0: How do you deal with a sad astronaut? Just give him some space. Just, just give him some space. I wrote a book on how to fall down the stairs. It's a step-by-step guide. All right, grab your Bibles. Just two we're pulling back a little bit this week. Just two this week, so yeah, right. This is why this is why some of you are coming. All right, grab your Bibles. Today, I want to start a uh, short series, um, three, four weekends um, on faith and sexuality. If you hadn't heard me say that last few weeks, surprise, uh, we're going there this week. Um, I feel like the Lord has just been prompting me over the last few weeks to like, hey, I want you to talk to the church about this. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he says, do it anyway. So, but he's Lord and he's leading this church. So. Um, I want to mention this. Um, we have a next Sunday is uh, July 4th weekend, and we're going to have one family service at 10 a.m. Did it say that in the announcements? Yeah. I wasn't really paying attention. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, was talk- I was talking to someone. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Adam. I mean, to be fair... I did decide that we were going to do one service, so I knew that we were. Um, so one service next week, 10 a.m., family service. I just want to say we will not be talking about this next Sunday. So don't, don't be like, you know, don't be afraid to bring your, your kids in service here, okay? So we'll skip a week, and then we'll get back on this series, okay? So faith and sexuality. Uh, before we get into the, the message, I want to say what this series, my goal of this series what I intend for it to be and for what it not to be. What it is and what it is not. Let me, let me give you a couple things of what this is not. Um, number one, this is not sex education. That's for another time or space, and that's not, that's not worth my time. Um, that's not my interest. Hey, I'm going to tie my shoes. Is that okay with you guys? All right. This has never happened before. But I don't want to trip up here. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Okay, number one, it's not sex education. Number two, this is not a series on how to have a good sex life with your spouse. So I'm not going to talk about how to spice things up uh, in your in your marriage. Um, here's why: this is a weekend service. We have many married people, many non-married people, all ages in this room, and so that's not really um, a good. We would be excluding a, a big uh, group of the in, in this in this room right now. So a topic like that is certainly important, um, but that's best at like a marriage conference, or if we did a marriage night, then we would want to maybe take a night and talk about something like that. There are Christian books. There are things out there that address that subject. It's a very important subject. Um, when my wife and I, when we do premarital counseling, when someone's getting married, um, they say that there's, there's three main things that cause problems within marriage, um, sex, finances, and communication, and so if you can really, you know, talk about each of those three subjects, um, you, you you mitigate a lot of problems. You can help mitigate a lot of problems that can happen in marriage, and so we always when we do uh, premarital, we always take one session and we just talk about sex. Um, so it's important, but that's not um, this isn't how to spice up your marital you know sex life and um, and the, the problems that may or may not occur within that. Okay. Um, last thing, this series is not um, this series is not meant to be a one-size-fits-all remedy for specific sexual struggles that you might have. There might be some nuggets in here that we can give you, but it's not going to be a remedy of a one-size-fits-all remedy for for struggles that you might have. Um, How many know that every person has a story and every person is different? And so oftentimes blanket statements over certain um, topics aren't necessarily going to lead someone to like absolute liberty in Christ. And so this isn't meant to um, take place of individualized ministry or counseling or inner inner healing that someone might need uh, concerning this subject, okay? Especially if there has been trauma involved in someone's life, okay? That's unlikely to happen just like this up here, me speaking. So um, this is not meant to take place of that. If you need specific ministry, counseling, inner healing, um, for, for sexual issues in your life, you need to do that. This isn't gonna take place of that, okay? Sound good? What is this series if, if it's not of those things? Um, this series is meant to address a few overarching um, challenges and errors that um, I see within our culture and sometimes within the church. And so I want to talk about how do we respond individually to this and how we, uh, we, we should and how I want to kind of cast the vision of how we respond corporately as a church. For example, I'll give you an example of what I want to t- uh, one of the things I want to talk about. I want to take one week and I want to talk about God's battle plan for you to, um, to be free of pornography. Okay, um, the, there's a rampant availability of pornography in our culture. It was different than when I grew up. Like when I was growing up, you, you know, your friend had a magazine or whatever, and that's, you know, your first exposure or whatever. Like, but now it's anyone who has a computer, anyone who has a phone, like you have accessibility to pornography, so you need a game plan. And that certainly, um, that certainly is something that married people can benefit from, or singles can certainly benefit from. So how do you stay free of that bondage? How can you get free of that bondage? And how can you help your family to stay free? I'm going to talk about that. Uh, I'm going to take a week and talk about that. So I think that uh, I'm thinking the three things. I'll just give you an overview of the series. I'm going to take one week, talk about um, how to be free of pornography in your home. I do want to take one week and I want to specifically talk about people who struggle with same sex attraction and how we should respond to that. And last thing I want to talk about is there is a cultural phenomenon that our culture all of a sudden in the last five years is really confused about gender, and um, uh, I want to take a week and just really hone in on that. So how many think those are, those are good things we should talk about? Because they're in our culture. So, <clears throat> and we'll see. You know, oftentimes I'll start a series, and it's like, I got the first two, three messages planned, and then it ends up being an eight-week series. So I don't know, maybe it'll be an eight-week series. Um, we'll see. The title of today's message is called Jesus First. And this is really just an introductory message. I'm not going to get into specifics, um, uh, not very many specifics today. It's Jesus First. No matter who you are or what your background is, we as Christians must understand God's purpose for sexuality. And if we don't start with the lordship of Jesus in our lives we're likely to get pulled into all kinds of different directions. Um, what's more important? There's faith and sexuality. What's the most important thing? Faith. Get okay, your sexuality is not your identity. Your, your identity is in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And we have to start there. If we start there with the lordship of Jesus and allow him to speak to us, then we, um, the, 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 we're more likely to end up in the right place. We need Jesus. How many know that Jesus came full of grace, full of truth? How many know we need Jesus' truth? And I don't know about you, but I need Jesus' grace. Amen? And so I want to present this such a way. There's grace and truth. I want to present this in that way. But we, Jesus first. Is Jesus premier? Um, is he the Lord of your life? And, if he's, and perhaps um, we have a tendency as humans uh, to compartmentalize, right? And maybe he's the Lord of your life in one area. And not in another. And I want to just encourage you, make him the Lord of your life in every area of your life. Give him access to every room of your heart and let him be Lord in every room. But sometimes the way we think or feel are not always the way things are. They're not truth. I'll give you an example of this. If you've ever been hiking uh, in the wilderness and you get lost... And your intuition says, the, my car is that way. The road's that way, right? Your intuition says that. But you pull out your GPS or compass and a map, and it's telling you to go a different direction. How many know that you should rely on the GPS or the compass and map, right? Even though your intuition, your, 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 your gut is like, oh, it's that way. Listen, the compass isn't going to lie to you. Okay, unless there's like someone walking through the woods with a gigantic ma- magnet, you know, <laughs> to, to mess you up. It's less likely. Uh, not, the chances aren't zero, but it's less likely that someone would be walking around with a giant U-shaped magnet near, near you, okay? So, go with the compass. Wow, where am I? Okay. God's truth, the word of God, his Holy Spirit, and his grace will lead us in the right direction. Uh, I'll give you an example of being uh, lost one time. Uh, Eighteen years ago, I married my bride, and that was a good decision—one of the best I ever made. And we went on a honeymoon. We went on a honeymoon to Cancun, and. Um and uh, this is where I found out that my wife is going to follow me anywhere because we, we, were, we were at our hotel and I was like looking at the city and there's like these radio towers in the city. And I'm like, oh, there's one big one right there. And based upon that radio tower, I, I don't know if you're like me, but like when I go to a new place, I start making a map in my mind immediately. It's just, it's just default. Like I start creating, I'm, um, I'm pretty good, I have a pretty good sense of direction. And some people are born with a good sense of direction some people aren't, and, and honestly, um, you can teach that to a degree, but some people just don't have it. I have a pretty good sense of direction, and as soon as I go somewhere, I don't know. I start, my mind starts creating a map in my mind, and the pieces get filled in everywhere. I go, well, I see these towers. I'm like, well, there's one big one, and relative to our hotel, I kind of know where I'm at, you know, and so we went to dinner. We, we took a bus or whatever to dinner. I'm like, hey, after dinner, we left. I'm like, instead of um, taking the bus back let's walk back cuz I know where we are I know where we are there's a tower our hotel is that way and so we start walking and I think it's going to take about you know 15 minutes or so and I'm like okay well uh, now let's go this way and then, well let's go this way and about a half hour later she's like should we get a cab you know and I'm like no I know where it is and About 45 minutes later, I'm like, yeah, I'm lost. We're lost. I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea where we are. So we got a cab, got back to our hotel, and then I realized the closest point we were to our hotel was where we had dinner. I was taking us away from where we were supposed to go. And this beautiful lady just followed me, so happy to be my, you know, my new bride. She just followed me and didn't question me, but she let me struggle through that. (laughs) But here's my point. My true north was wrong. My intuition in that respect was wrong. What I felt was wrong. And how many know that what culture is trying to inform us on what is right and wrong, it, the fact that it changes is a, should be an indication to you. Like what people believe now versus what people believed 10 years ago versus what the, the majority of the population believed in the year 2000 versus 1990, 1980 is vastly different in fact, you see, you see, politicians. This is the same person who made this public statement in in, in 1990, and then they're p- completely different in like 2010. It's like the the fact that things change like that should tell you like culture doesn't know what it's doing. So culture is true. We can't use culture as our true north, right? And I don't even know that we have. We can't even trust ourselves to have true north. Because our feelings can mislead us. We need the word of God. We need um, the point us towards to true north. God loves, God loves humanity. He came for humanity. Um, but we have to go to him if we're going to have success. Jesus come full of grace and truth. I want to just give in this message, um, this, this um, introductory message, I want to just give a couple foundational truths. Foundational truth number one. God created sex. That's number one. God created it. Uh, Religion has a way of making things boring and shameful. Okay? I'm I'm using the word religion in a negative sense because, um, yes, we're religious, but really it's about relationship with God, right? Religion has a way of making things boring and shameful, and certainly that is the case when it comes to sex. But God is the author of this, and so we have to go to the author of this, right? Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know if you realize what a profound statement that is. It doesn't say in the beginning, Kurt. It says in the beginning, God. In other words, everything originates from this one being, God. And so we have to go back to the source of who created everything. Okay, Gen- uh, in Genesis chapter one, um, it goes through and talks about how God created this and that. He uh, it says. And after God creates something, it always says that it, it is good. So God creates the light, and behold, it was good. God created the land, and it's good. And the, the sea, and it's good. The plants, and behold, it was good. The sun and the moon and stars, and it's good. The birds, and, the, and then behold, it was good. The sea animals, and it was good. The land animals, it was good. And then you get to Genesis 131, and it says this, Then God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. God creates light, land, sea, plants, moon, stars, sea animals. Says those things are all good. He saw what he had made. This is good. He gets to uh, he gets to the end. He creates mankind, male and female, to rule, work, and subdue the earth and everything in it. He sums it all up by saying it's very good. Here's my point: when God creates things and sets them in order, the result is always good. His original design um, is always good. So this is what I wanna say, just to kind of remove um, the stigma and shame off of this, top, off of this topic, S- uh, sex and a sex drive are normal and good. It's normal and it's good. In fact, it's an indication that you are a healthy person. Okay? The fact that you are drawn and attracted to the opposite sex is an indication that you're actually a healthy person, okay? So let me give you an example. Like we all have an appetite for food. Um, but how many know that if you woke up in the morning, and you're not hungry, you're like, hmm, not hungry, I guess I'll skip this meal. Then you get to lunch, and if you're still not hungry, you're like, I guess I'll not eat again, but I should be eating. If you got to dinner, you would start to wonder, like, something's wrong with me. Like, if I don't have an appetite, something must be wrong, and indeed, that would probably be the case. Um, but how many know when it comes to a sexual drive, if, if there's zero drive it's it's actually an indication that you're a healthy person if there's a drive there and so that's good it's something that god gave us and i understand there's people with different varying levels of 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 drive and i'm not saying you're unhealthy if your drive is low but i am saying that is an indication of health that is an indication of normal right i just want to say that because it should not feel shameful to merely have a desire but like many appetites what do we need to do appetites need to be managed don't they Right? Like like I have an appetite to hit snooze every morning when my alarm goes off. I have an appetite to eat the whole cheesecake when I'm having cheesecake. Right? Slice of cheesecake's not wrong. Hitting the snooze button once, not so wrong. But you can't just live off of your appetites. Right? You can't let your appetites just drive you. Same thing with a sex drive. It's good, but how many know it needs to be managed? Otherwise it could be misused. Okay that's foundational truth number one foundational truth number two is this the fall of adam and eve corrupted god's original design when adam and eve sinned everything in created created order was subjected to disorder entropy right entropy means that the universe tends towards disorder. Like if you, you have your house and you keep it up and you mow your lawn and you um, paint it and you clean it, if you just left your house for a year and came back a year later, it's not gonna look the same. It's going to tend towards disorder. And this is the same with our physical bodies. This is the same even with relationships. This is the same with um, everything in our lives. We have to constantly keep things in order in order for them to be that way because entropy tends towards disorder. So what I wanna say about this is though, um, even though a sex drive in and of itself is not wrong, and in fact, is a sign of health, it's definitely possible to misuse this drive. And we have to, <laughs> we have to agree on that, because any old whim you have, any old like, I want this, I want that, um, it's, we have to agree, we have to start here in this place. It is possible to misuse that and to have it directed in the wrong direction. Culture does not believe this. Maybe they do and they don't, but it, that, that, um, that goal line tends to drift over time. Okay? Let me, I'll just say it like this: if you lived in a perfect universe, perfect universe, and you could step into a um, parallel universe that was imperfect, that tends towards this order, the mishandling of a sex drive and perversion being introduced into that is exactly what you'd expect to discover. Okay? You're in a perfect universe, and you're like, I am going to go visit the imperfect universe. You would expect to find many things out of order. You'd expect to find many bad ideas, right? You'd expect to find perversions, right? So it should not surprise us, um, Christians, that this is a struggle for mankind, for humanity. It should not surprise us that this has been a source of struggle for many people throughout the history of the earth, Okay. So the fall corrupted God's original design. This is why we need God's word. This is why we need his grace. Thank God for, are you thankful for God's grace? I am thankful for his grace. I don't imagine there's a person here. Maybe you were a virgin, got married, and lost your virginity on your wedding night. But I still imagine that in terms of sexual choices, there's still some things you probably regret There's still so I I, I'm just saying this to everyone, every one of us, whether we've done it God's way or not done it God's way, every one of us has some um, level of brokenness inherent to this subject because because we live we're fallen beings, right? So we need God's grace. We need God's word. I love this Hebrews chapter four, verses fourteen through sixteen. It says this, therefore since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Okay, Jesus is our great high priest. Watch this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we were we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Surrounding this subject, how many of you know we need mercy? We need grace in our time of need. But I love this. God under, listen. He understands what having a sex drive is like. Number one, he gave it to you, and he's omniscient. He knows everything. Number two, I want to just point out to you that Jesus came into this world as a man. I want to kill a religious cow. Maybe you've never thought of this, but you know, how Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Son of God, right? Also, man, <laughs> like he ate food, he went to the bathroom. I believe, and this is clear, that Jesus had a sex drive. He came into this world as a man, and healthy men have sex drives. Okay, Jesus was tempted in every way as we were, yet he did not sin. And I love that this scripture says he, um, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Um, notice it says empathize. Some translations um, of this particular verse, um, we're using the NIV, say um, sympathize. But I think empathize is actually a better translation of this word here because it says he was tempted in every way as we are. And how many know the difference between sympathy? Sympathy is like, oh, I feel, I feel sorry for that person, right? That's, oh, I sympathize. Empathy is like, oh, I've gone through what you've gone through. Oh, I know, like, how many know if you're going through divorce, you, you wanna sit down with the, the person who's gone through divorce and like, you know what I mean? If you've had a pornography struggle, You don't want to hear goody-two-shoes who's never had a problem. You want to talk to the person who had the addiction themselves, got free of the addiction, and now they can help you on that road, right? That's empathy. That's someone who can empathize with you. Whatever the, the trauma or whatever you've gone through, you want to talk to someone who's gone through the trouble. Listen, Jesus is acquainted with the human struggle. He's acquainted with the human struggle. He was tempted in every way, just as we were, yet he did not sin he empathizes with us. And so did Jesus ever think about having a sexual relationship? In my opinion, yes. Uh, And I think Jesus came to this world and he actually, that's one of the things he had to lay down as a human. And so maybe you're, you praying and you you, you have a sexual drive. You're, you're not married. You don't have a good outlet for that. And you're like, God doesn't understand. God, you don't understand what this is like. Yes, he does. Not only does he understand it by virtue of omniscience, he understands it by virtue of experience. Because Jesus came to this world, he was not called to start a family, like a, like, a, like a physical family. He wasn't called to get married. He wasn't called to have earthly, uh, physical children. That's something that he had to lay on the altar as well. Because he came into this world to save that which was lost. And how many of that would have created other problems anyway? If Jesus had had a physical family, then we would have physical descendants, and then we would argue over who are the real descendants and who aren't. In fact, other religions have this problem, okay? But Jesus didn't come to get married um, physically. He didn't come to have physical children. That is one of the things he had to lay on the altar, and I believe he, um, he was a healthy young man. Like most men and boys, I imagine he thought about it often. They say adolescent males think about sex once every 15 minutes. And Jesus was an adolescent male. This is, by the way, why um, every father who, you know, you have a young man who's wanting to date your daughter. This is why every father decides, you know what? This guy's coming over to pick my daughter up. This is a good time to clean my guns, right? (laughs) Why? Because that father knew what it was like to be that young boy and knew what that young boy wants, right? So I think Jesus thought about it often, Yet he never sinned. He empathizes with the temptation and he even understands what it's like to lay down that desire and submit that desire to God. That was an offering or a sacrifice, if you will, to the Father in heaven. Fully God, fully man, never sinned, King of kings, Lord of lords, yet I believe he empathizes, sympathizes with that. So when you're praying and you're like, God, I made a mistake, or God, this is a struggle for me, understand that he empathizes with you. And you listen. All of this, this whole subject, left in the dark, festers and becomes worse and worse. If, and we, that's what we have a tendency to do, because this is what Adam and Eve did, right? They sinned, what did they do? They covered themselves and they hid. And this is exactly what we do when we mess up. This is exactly what you do if you look at pornography or whatever. You're like, I'm going to go hide and try to do penance and get to a good place, So then I'll start praying again. No, bring it before him. Even if you're messing up royally, bring it before him. pray. Talk to him about it. Why? He empathizes. He understands what the human experience is like. And then get other believers around you to help you. So that's foundational truth uh, number two. Foundational truth number three, uh, sex has a purpose. There may be more, but I'm thinking of three different purposes for sex. Number one, obviously, reproduction. Number two, recreation. It's fun, relaxation, stress relief, right? Number three, bonding. It actually is a tool that people, helps them bond. Now, um, that can be good and bad, right? Because how many know there are godly soul ties and there are ungodly soul ties? Thank God for God's grace. You can break an ungodly soul tie. There's, there's uh, mercy and grace for that. But within the context of marriage, for example, you are supposed to have a godly connection, a godly soul tie. And not all, by the way, not all soul ties are sexual soul ties. There are many soul ties, both godly and ungodly that you can have with people just by virtue of being close to them and sometimes you have to if you have an ungodly soul tie sometimes you have to break soul ties right and so that's another uh, purpose of it but here's what i want to say it sex is powerful but it needs to be stewarded right it's for reproduction it's for recreation it's for bonding it's not just for be casually being thrown around right it, it is powerful An illustration I I would like to use is, and I thought about I thought about this, but is is a gun. I thought about bringing a gun in, and you know, but I I didn't have time to make sure that it was like, you know, bolted or whatever, you know, so so that you could see that it isn't loaded and all that. But a gun. Um, I'm a gun guy. I have a few guns. I like to shoot them. Now, how many know guns? Guns are morally neutral. A gun in and of itself isn't evil. It can do evil. A gun in and of itself isn't good. It can do good. Okay, you can be responsible with a gun. You can, you can do evil with a gun. Uh, here's some good things you can do with a gun. You can hunt. You could target practice. You could kill invasive species, pests. Uh, law enforcement uses them for good. Um, I could defend my family with a gun. That would be a good use of my gun if, if I needed to defend my family, right? But how many know you can also do evil with a gun? You can murder someone. You could shoot their windows out because you hate them or shoot their tires out, right? You can do evil with a gun. A gun is morally neutral, but it's the heart of the person uh, using it that gives it intent. But this is what I want to say. When it comes to a sexual drive, realize that you've been given something powerful that can be used for good and can be used to glorify God when it's submitted to him. And it can be, of course, um, used in such a way that it can cause damage, right? It can cause damage. It can ruin marriages. It can... It can cause you to have soul ties with people that you shouldn't have soul ties with. I love this, though, because Jesus said this. If you give a cup of cold water in my name, you won't lose your reward. That's how, like, that's how much God watches our lives. He's like, that kind, when, you, when you chose kindness, when you chose that benevolent act or whatever, like, I see that. I see that you gave a cup of cold water in my name. How much more... Reward is there for stewarding our bodies and for stewarding a sex drive. He, I want you to know that when you say no to pornography, for example, or a relationship, you know that you shouldn't have sex with someone. You say no to that. I want you to know God sees that and there's a reward connected to that. Um, it's not just like, oh, I, I lost out on some fun. It's like, no, like he sees that you laid that on the altar and it, and it brought glory to his name. When we lay this desire on the altar, and, and God, I want to do this your way, it brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus. So realize you have a sex drive, um, and it brings glory to God when you, when you bring it and, and, and do it his way. So you've been given something powerful, but like a gun, it can be used for good or evil, and don't misuse that gift. Okay, foundational truth number four, and this, is, this one will be short, um, number four, no one gets freedom through shame guilt, condemnation, right? And so um, me just pointing out something that isn't maybe godly, that's not going to bring you freedom. It might bring, make you aware, like, okay, I shouldn't be doing that, um, but it's going to be the grace of God. It's going to be the love of God. It's going to be the mercy of God. It's going to be bringing that into the light. It's going to be accountability and relationships around you that's going to bring shame, uh, bring um, freedom into your life. How many want to be free in every area, especially this area, Amen. It's now. Why is this important? It says, I, I believe it's in um, uh, Pete, uh, First or Second Peter. It says that the person, um, all sins the person commits are uh, are committed outside of their body, but one who sins um, by sexual immorality sins against their own body. So there's something different about sexual sin than there is about other sins. So um, I might unpack that in the next few weeks here, but. We do want to steward this. It is important, and it's, it's not casual. It's not flippant. It is something that um, we have to steward well. God gave you this. It's a gift. It's something that can be enjoyed, certainly, but it's something that needs to be stewarded. No one gets freedom through shame. It is my intent in this series to help people, to not help people through shame, but through truth, the power of the Holy Spirit, and by God's grace. Um, to close i want to play a uh, it's actually a 5 minute video so we'll try to we'll try to go quick here but this is uh Francis Chan and he's talking um, about the lordship of Jesus cuz this is premier Jesus first this is this is the title of this message Jesus first is he premier do you want to submit your life to him including this area of your life and so go ahead and roll that video
1: one of the things Jesus said to the crowds was anyone wants to follow me he must deny himself pick up his cross and follow me those are very unpopular words today when uh, everyone wants to just do what they want to do we all want to do what we want to do and yet Jesus says no if you want to follow me I mean the idea of following someone like we we don't we don't get this concept of Following, like you are the king, and so I choose to come under your command. You say go left, I'm like, but I really want to go right. It doesn't matter. You're my king. Uh, Jesus asked the question, I I think it's Luke 6 46, where he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I command? He said, It doesn't make sense that you would call someone your master, your Lord, and then you don't do what they command you to do. It's, It's like, you know, if a master tells his servant, hey, go go wash my car, he's like, no, master. Like, that, that makes no sense. You don't, then don't call a master. That's what Jesus was saying. And, and people don't understand, when you call Jesus your Lord, your King, that means he calls you to do things that you're not gonna wanna do. That, that, that's why he says you're gonna have to deny yourself. So as I started studying this book, there were commands you know as a high school student you know want to mess around with girls or whatever and, and you know you read the scriptures like ah oh, that's 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 reserved for marriage uh you know just just whatever the natural desire is it, there were certain things where you go ah oh, i have to say no to that there are things in scripture that i certainly wouldn't have come up with uh That Francis Chan doesn't like but you know what that's part of the choice I made in saying I believe in you Jesus I'll follow you Jesus after everything you've done for me I trust you and trust means I trust you when your logic doesn't square with mine I trust that actually what Isaiah 55 says is that your thoughts are so far beyond mine. And that's, you know, humility is not something we see nowadays. Everyone just trusts so much in what they feel and what they believe. And following God means, you know, I actually trust that your logic is better than mine. And so when we disagree, I'm gonna assume that I'm wrong. Because what Paul warns Timothy is, he goes, in the last days, you know what people are gonna do? They're gonna look for people and teachers to tell them what they want to hear. And, and they're gonna find those teachers that tell them what they want. It's easy to find a teacher to tell you what you want. And you gotta ask yourself, am I just am I just trying to find someone to tell me what I want, what I want to hear, or do I really want truth? Even if that truth leads me away from my own desires, even if that lead, leads me to saying, can't sleep with my girlfriend anymore. I can't sleep with my boyfriend anymore. I want God that badly. And that's the hardest thing. It's these greatest desires, probably our greatest desire. You know, I was once told when I was in high school, like your two strongest emotions will be sex and anger. You know, it's just this desire, you know, that you, It's just like this urge, like you just want to explode and just say something or just crack someone in the face. It's just this, it's this explosive side with you or that sexual urge. Like these are so strong. There's just these fires. And to put that under submission and go, okay, I'll love my enemies. I'll do good. those who hate me, I'll bless those who curse me, (sighs) or I'll suppress this urge that I have for this person right now, because God, you are my Lord. Those are the times when you find out, is he really master?
0: This entire series is predicated on this fundamental question. Do you want to follow Jesus in every area of your life? This is a particular area that we want to call him Lord. But thank God, and by the way, if the answer is no, the rest of the series actually won't even benefit you. And by the way, I'm not preaching this for the world. I'm preaching this for this church, the people who are part of our church. Um, if you call yourself a Christian and you're a member of Seed Lights Church, this is, this is for you. This isn't for your neighbor, but because I'm not their pastor. But thank God we're following Jesus, but we have one who is able to empathize. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one that has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy. Everyone say mercy. And grace, everyone say grace, in our time of need. God has amazing plans for your life. A sex drive is a powerful force, but we as Christians have to steward this, right? And so whatever your sexual inclination is, I want to just encourage you to allow the grace of God to change and transform you and to submit that to the Lord Jesus. Why don't you guys stand on your feet? I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Emily is going to come close. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your plans for our lives, God. We ask that you would um, release supernatural grace, God during this series, Lord. I, I just even as we're talking, I know that some hearts and minds are, are, are being confronted, Lord. and I just we just say, um, God, I ask you to just get in there and minister to that and to speak to that Lord. And uh, we just say to, to the ones who are struggling in this area, we just say help is on the way. Grace is on the way, love is on the way, and um, God's got this, and he's going he's gonna to lead you out, and, so, and, and, as a, and as a church family, we want to we wanna lead you out, and so, um, Lord, we know that this is an important part of life, and God, I just speak grace over everyone here, Lord, and uh, we thank you, Jesus, that you have amazing plans for us, and we want to do it your way, Lord God, and so I just bless your people in Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you guys.